0: to the 10th Region Weekly Stay Hot Podcast, as always. Co-host Evan Dennison with me. And Evan, uh, first week of the season down in the 10th, and there was a lot of exciting things happened, but I want to hear your uh, your first uh, gig with the NKY Link was uh, two, what I consider, top five teams in the state. Now I know in rankings they were both five and seven, but uh, Great Crossing and Covecath had to be a good game to watch. I think the final score was a little disappointing and everybody probably expected it to be closer but those are two really good teams playing early on in the year that had to be fun to watch.
1: Oh it was a blast you know and, and like you said I, I thought I'd be a little bit closer than the final score indicated and Cubcats went on a run kind of late first uh, midway through the second and never really looked back to be honest um, and it was somewhat surprising considering the size advantage that Great Crossing had and just Struggled to get it to the paint, and uh, Cuffcath, they bomb away. So, they were hitting their threes. And Evan Upsaro, um, you know, after seeing him in that game,
0: I, I really think he's a legit Mr. Basketball candidate. Uh, you touched on both things I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you about Epsaro. It. I've never seen him really in person play. I plan on catching him Saturday at Bracken County. Um, but I, I was kind of shocked because, you know, Marino's a size. Don't they have another kid that's really big? Then yeah, Vince Olsen's a love- big go- and Vince Dawson's a big guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I really expected, you know, and it is early on, you know, great crossing, probably not as good now as they're going to be two months from now, but um, that's still a great game early on in the season. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, you know, the Covcast style now, it's it's not – they don't have those that size down low anymore. So, it's mostly four guards and maybe one true post who's maybe 6'2", you know. So, it's a – Little different style for him, but you know, Scott Rusat's a great coach and you know he's kind of schemed them out and you know they're looking great. They're they're three and oh with with three impressive wins over Simon Kenton, uh Great Crossing and Dunbar. So I know our, our listeners probably don't want to talk too much about the ninth region.
0: Well, the reason I started with that because I feel like the story of the tenth so far is uh Ben Franzen and his Mustangs, and Franzen comes from Cuff Cast, so that was kind of how I was yeah. Looking to segment into that, and you know, early on in the season, I don't think anybody would tell you they would be shocked that Bishop Rossert was four and zero, but I think they'd be shocked to tell you that Bishop Rossert is uh, averaging eighty plus points a game. Uh, just beat Ludlow ninety to eighty one, and you know they scored over eighty. I think they beat uh, Newport like eighty to seventy five or something. So um, that's just a different style of basketball that we're used. Not used to seeing from Bishop Rosser. And I think Franzen kind of touched on that at Media Day, but now we're kind of seeing, you know, his plan kind of come to fruition.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, and a, a funny stat on, on that is, you know, they hadn't cleared the 80 point mark, but, but twice in the prior two seasons, you know, and that was under, you know, Scott Code, who, you know, probably follows the same philosophy as his, his brother Mike and, you know, running similar offenses and grinding things out. And, you know their first four games, three three of them they've they've cleared that eighty point marker, and looks like they're getting some great balance. You know, led by Logan Woosley,
0: then you got Brandon Bezo Mason. Go Sipabi. look, hey, go look at Brandon Bezo's three point percentage right now. He is yeah. thirteen of eighteen on the season for seventy three percent. That's crazy. You know they're just they're they're lighting it up from deep and getting a, a solid contribution from – got five guys averaging at least 8.5 a game, so. I was going to say they got like a 9.5, so basically like four in double figures, and they got that 8.5. And, you know, the one kid I really liked last year that um, I don't think most many people knew about that's kind of coming into his own issue is Logan Schumacher. He's kind of a work workhorse down below, uh, bangs hard on the glass, and just one of those guys that kind of reminds you of a Brossard-style player, just, you know, kind of the blue-collar and uh just probably a good leader for them along with like mason c pate and some of those guys who you know been around through the code regimes and now you know leadership duties with coach franzen but coach franzen's got those mustangs running yeah and um you know that 4-0 starts impressive i'll
1: be really curious come friday night um when they host harrison county i think that'll be a really good game and you know, if the, if the Mustangs can can do that and pull that one
0: off, I, I think they're, they're a very valid top five team in the 10th region. I do, too, and that's, that's going to be at Harrison County. So, you know, you go into Harrison County and beat Harrison County, who me and you both have said is probably a top four or five team in the region. And I think me and you both kind of had Brosser, you know, seven, eight range last week. I don't really remember, but I think they've definitely were on the radar. But um, let's stay in the 37th, uh, Campbell County. You know, uh, you look at the record and you see one and two and, you know, come into the season with the adversity they faced. And a lot of people think, okay, well, Campbell County, they're one and two, they're not very good. But let's look at the quality of competition they've played. Both losses are to uh, GRC, who 10th region favorite, and then Cooper, who is very high in the ninth.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's two very solid early season tests for them. You know, GRC, obviously, the – you know, the defending champ. And, um, you know, I, I was actually at the the Cooper game on Saturday, a, a very physical, well-played contest. Um, everything is – is I think the whole game was basically within five to seven points pretty much the whole way. Campbell led early, then Cooper kind of made a run late in the first half. And, um, you know, really physical game. And, you know, Eric Russell made a great point. You know, they, they traveled down to Winchester on, on Friday night, played Clark – and then, boom, he had to turn around at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and play another physical team in Cooper. And, you know, that's a, that's a tough formula for for anybody. So, I don't know. I, I wouldn't look too much into the one and two start. But, I, I, you know, I, I think that's two solid tests for them. And uh, in the Clark game, you know, talking to, to Coach Russell, he said it just it kind of got away from them early. And they, they tried to get into a running contest with them. And that's just something you, you can't do with, with GRC.
0: And we saw that last year, multiple teams that tried to run with Clark, you know, just – you know, and I don't know what the recipe is to beat them because I think Clark's so talented they can beat you in a multitude of ways. But um, well, like guess, Coach Russell said –
1: The state tournament kind of, you know, showed if there's a way to beat them, it's – got to slow slow things down, limit possessions. And, you know, I thought Mason well, County kind of did Mason County did that in the regional tournament,
0: yeah. And yeah. then I know Lincoln County did it as well in the state tournament. Both had – you know, I know Mason ends up losing by ten there in the regional tournament, but you know they were in that game for three and three quarters or more, so that's definitely probably the way to beat them. But um, you know, I'm not gonna put too much stock into one and two with Campbell County, just yeah. because I know how tough their schedule is, and these losses now is just gonna make them better um, in the long run. Anytime you got to play back to back games against GRC and then Cooper, I mean that's a daunting task for anybody. So, but Eric Russell will have those guys ready to go. There's no doubt, and you know. He's they, got that a
1: solid, year. they got a solid one-two punch, you know, with, with Gross and Hamilton. And I, I think it's just a matter of them getting comfortable with those other pieces. Who's going to be that, that third guy on a nightly basis, you know, is it going to be Garen Jackson? Uh, I was impressed with Jaden Combs off the bench. Uh, Connor Weinel had a good game against Cooper and they got some pieces there. And, and, and with them, they're, they're obviously a team that always gets better as the year goes on and, and you know, come late January, early February, is a team that is going to be a tough out because they will be, battle-tested all throughout the season, you know, playing in the ninth and the, and the top-tier teams in the 10th and all around up there in, you know, northern Kentucky. So, they, they'll they'll definitely be ready come late February, early March.
0: Yeah, it's barely barely early December yet. So, you know, any losses you have now is not that big of a deal as long as you can take something from it and learn from it. But, you know, Scott also in the 37th. And, uh, you know, I look at Scott, you know, they beat Beechwood in a high-scoring game. But the thing that sticks out to me about them is, you know, they played Bracken tough at Bracken the other night, 78-71 game. Blake Reed goes off for 48 out of the team 78, which we know what Blake, what kind of score he is. But uh, the thing that sticks out to me about Scott is, in their three games, they've given up 102, 68, and 78. So you're looking at over 240 points in three games. So, you know, defense has given up 80 points a game. And I think, you know, that's probably the one area that, Coach Rose probably to look to improve on and buckle down on because as they got coming up here in a few weeks I know they got or this coming week they got Calvary Christian which is a district point uh, opponent but then they also got like Newport Walton Verona Paris Mason County so their schedule's tough too that's you know that seems to be the thing in the 37th battle tested through the year and then they compete in the district tournament.
1: Yeah and you know that that was something that you know from our hit on early in the, you know the, in the media days they need to get back to the defensive things that, that made them so successful years prior. And, you know, that's, a, that's a tough start. And Highlands is a team that guns away from three point range. And, you know, I'm sure they got hot that game, especially if they're scoring 102, but, you know, holding back into 78, that's, that's probably around their season average. But, you know, when you got Blake that goes off for 48 like that on, on any given night, it's just tough to beat the polar bears when that happens. So. Um, it, from what I understood, it was a, you know, a tightly contested game uh, within a couple points there late and, you know, Bracken ended up pulling away and, you know, Blake's performance that night was phenomenal. I mean, you, you get, you know, 40, uh, I think, was it 40, for some reason, Case the best says 46. I've seen 47, 48. I, don't I saw even 48 on
0: social media. Yeah. Uh, if the stats that they put in <laughs> said 46 and it's probably 46, but regardless, How crazy is
1: that, though? He did it on 17 field goal attempts like that's what's impressive to me. Now, he did get to the line 19 times and converted on 18 of them. But that just tells me he was aggressive in getting to the rim and and, and not settling for that three point shot.
0: And I think, um, you know, and that's why I think he's such a good scorer is, you know, when Blake goes to the rim, he knows how to use his body to take the contact and still get the shot up. And whether it goes in or not, he knows he's still getting to the free throw line. And, you know, I know there's been some games that where I've seen Blake kind of inconsistent at the free throw line, but 18 of 19 is getting it done. And, you know, anytime you go into a game when you know you're the focal point on offense and you can still drop 46, that's pretty impressive. And um, Bracken County, you know, we know how good they are. And um, to be able to pull away from Scott there late, and, you know, get that win at home is big. But, you know, speaking of Bracken, we'll hold off on that. Let's go to the 38th. Um, this week, I think, uh, in the 38th, I know um, all four teams played several games. Um, we, we can start with Harrison County since that's who we think is the preseason favorite in that district. And I know they um, started 3-0 this week and beat a very good Ryle team at the, I don't I think I think it was a last second shot actually.
1: Was it 50, huh? Was it last second th- shot? 54 53. Well, I think H- Custard hit it like two free throws late. That's what, it was. what it was. Yeah.
0: That's what it was. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, and then they turn around and beat a very good central hardened team. Mm-hmm. And then they finished off this weekend with a win over East Jessman, which got kind of lopsided. But uh, you know, it seems to be Terrence Brooks style basketball. You know, they're scoring in the 60s and trying to give up in the 50s. And, you know, I think that's a good style for Terrence with the size he has. And he's got a point guard who can run the show and kind of control the tempo.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and they're just, you know, Caden's been super efficient early on. And, you know, it it looks like J.D. Kendall's playing really well. And, you know, Will Ferris looks like he's really taking that next step. I mean, that last two years you are kind of wondering, you know, what what he kind of needed to do to really – take that next step and, and, and be more of a factor on the floor other than maybe a, uh shot alter or a guy that you can rely on defensively, but offensively early on, it looks like he's, he's getting his, you know, he's averaging about 15 a game and pulling down about six, seven rebounds. So, it, you know, if they get that offense of production from Furnish, that's huge, you know, and that, that adds a third score for them. And, you know, I, like I, I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, them with Brossard come Friday night, it'll be a, I think a big, um, indicator of, of, of where those two teams are in the region and uh you know again with Harrison I'm just I'm ready to see who else for them is, is gonna you know take that next step off the bench or in that rotation uh to, to be the guy and, and get them you know really to the upper, upper
0: echelon of the region well and you you touched on what I was going to touch on with Will Furnish because you know I coached in that district for a few years and you know Will was one of those types of guys that you knew when he was in the game that he was going to alter any kind of shot. And it kind of changes your offensive mindset because, um, you know, at seven foot, six, ten, whatever he is, then you throw was, you know, his length in there, you're probably eight foot tall. And um, he just changed the game. So, you know, I always thought it was unfair of a lot of people to you know, put a lot more pressure on him just because he was tall. They thought that he should be able to dunk every shot or, you know, should be able to score more or whatever. But I think he was just doing his role and what Coach Brooks needed him to do then. And it seems like that role has progressed into the third offensive weapon on the floor. And so congrats to him for sticking with it and proving. And, you know, 15 points a game, when you throw in Custer and J.D. with that, you know, that's a formidable one, two, three punch that I feel like is um go be uh, beneficial for, you know, Harrison County, you know, in postseason, not necessarily in the district, but also in the regional tournament.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, that gives you, like you said, a trio of of guys that are hitting double figures for you. And then, you know, you, you know what you're going to get on the defensive end from some of those guys. And, uh, you know, their first couple games, looks like they only went about seven deep. So, um, again, you know, looks like Terrence is comfortable with that. And, you know,
0: we'll see how that kind of plays out throughout the year. Let's move on to Nicholas County. Nicholas County uh, only got two games in this week. They do travel to Augusta, you know, this coming Tuesday, which will be a big test for them. But uh, you know, they're one and two. They lost a game at Fleming County. Um, Fleming County, very good basketball team this season. Coach Biggs has a really good squad, and I think they're all underclassmen. So um, Fleming County's going to have a bright future the next couple of years. And then they went, uh, then they uh, beat Henry County at home. So they're currently one and one. Um. And they got a, you know, I'm, I don't know much about Henry County, but I was really uh, impressed to see that, you know, Coach uh, Wright's got three guys in double figures with Wyatt Clark, Hatton, and Maddox Donovan. I'm not real familiar with, but he seems to be adding some scoring punch to them. Um, anything you know about Maddox Donovan? And, you know, has he played? Is he, I don't know much about him.
1: Yeah, Maddox Donovan. You know, looks like he's a junior guard slash forward, um, or sophomore guard slash forward. Sorry, his older brother is Dylan. So, no, don't know, don't know too much about him. But you know, if 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 he's another piece to that puzzle that you know helps maybe ease up some of the target on Wyatt Clark, that'll be big for them. So, um, you know, a good win for them to bounce back. Uh, but I think you know Tuesday against Augusta down there in the Panthers' den will be be a big test, and that will kind of show us, you know, are they deserving
0: of a top-ten spot in this region? Um, I'm going through, and maybe you touched on this or not, or but I'm going through the season stats here, and I don't see Tate Letcher. Is Tate Letcher hurt? Uh, you know, I know
1: he played football and was the quarterback for them, so. Uh, right, but
0: I don't see him on the uh, roster or the team stats. Uh, page. Well, I didn't look at the roster, but as far as the team stats go, if you got the roster pulled up, see if –
1: you know, yeah, he's not on on there, so I, I'm not quite sure what happened there.
0: No, I'm wondering if Tate, you know, maybe focusing on football, or if that's what he, re- you know, maybe wants to do at the next level. But uh, yeah. regardless, you know, that could be a tough loss for, you know, Coach Wrights because Tate, somebody that's played since the seventh grade year at the varsity level, so an experienced mm-hmm. player. But um, the one person w- we talk about a lot is Wyatt Clark, and you know, he's averaging 18 points a game, and he uh as a scorer on so many different – you know, it can score in so many different ways, but the, the one player that I've kind of noticed that's uh, kind of progressing quicker than what I thought is, you know, the Hatton kid. Peyton Hatton shoots the ball extremely well. I know he shot it well last year. If I'm not mistaken, he's either an eighth grader or a freshman. Yeah.
1: He's and
0: tough. he got some varsity minutes last year and shot the ball really well. I know mm-hmm. I saw him play against Robertson, and, you know, kid kind of came in there young with kind of no fear, right. you know. He was open. He let it fly. If he had a driving lane, he drove. You know, he defended on the defensive end the best as he could, the best he could with maybe a size differential. But um, I really like what Coach Wrights does at Nicholas County, and you know, I know he has said it in the media day, and he said it to me. He thinks this is his year. He's uh, hoping to get them to the regional tournament for the first time in a while. So um, I think they're off to a good start. And the Augusta game on Tuesday will tell us a little bit more. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, that'll be the big one to kind of see where they're at. It looks like later in the week, they've got Calvary Christian and and Ripley over in Ohio. Uh, That one's actually at Mason County for the Mike Murphy Classic. So, you know, if if they can get that one against Augusta, I I think they can get those next two. And, you know, that would put them at, uh, you know, Three and one to uh, to start the year, or four and one to start the year. I'm sorry, so that'd be a solid start, and, and then Paris the following week. So
0: I don't think they necessarily have to go to Augusta and win to really, right. uh, um, kind of boost my confidence in them. But they go down there and play hard and play well, and if they squeak out a win. That's a bonus. But you know, Augusta's yeah. hard to beat at Augusta, and um, they're off to a solid start themselves. So, but uh, Nicholas County definitely on the right track, and you know the other team in the district right now that we feel like, you know, is maybe that three or two is Pendleton County and Coach Ellsburn. And, you know, I've seen two of their three games already this year, and Coach Ellsburn's boys play extremely hard. And I can tell you what, they got a big win at home against Ludlow to open the season. Ludlow's got a nice team and some nice players. Um, Ludlow even got a lead and, you know, six, eight points, I think it was. And, you know, or not Robertson, sorry, but Nicholas. I'm in the district, Pendleton County. Um, (laughs) I've called him everything but the right name. But, um, you know, Pendleton County just kept fighting and fighting. And uh, junior guard Alex Beist had a really good game against them, and so did um the big man in the middle, Kirsch, had 20 points and, you know, several rebounds. So um, I really like the pieces Coach Ellsworth's got this year, and I think they're ahead of where they were last year at this time. Um, South Dearborn, the team from Indiana, those guys were really good. They kind of reminded you of kind of like a high school version of, um, like a Belmont, ran really good half-court sets, make you play defense for multiple minutes and then beat you on a backdoor play. They rebounded well. They shot well. They're just a nice team. And um, then yesterday, they went on the road to Raceland and lost by 15. So, you know, they're currently one and two. I don't know much about Raceland, but I think they had a quite a good season last year and returned a little bit. So, you know, anytime you go on the road in the 16th and even to Raceland, but, you know, it's tough. Yeah, But one and two to start, and that big win of Ludlow, I think, is going to be a confidence builder. But they've got a rough week next week. You got Fleming County, GRC, Mercer County. That's a tough week.
1: That's a tough week. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Fleming on Tuesday. It looks like Clark on Thursday. And, you know, those are – those are games that are gonna definitely give them tests and Mercer. I don't know much about them this year. You know, usually a solid program. Uh, not too sure uh, right now, but
0: but I, I think I'm that's sure at Mason County for the uh,
1: yeah the Mike
0: Murphy yep. yeah
1: yeah you know and I, I think the things that stuck out to me for them early on is just um, their struggles um, shooting the ball. You know that they after that win against Ludlow. Um, you know, they're they're currently shooting about thirty-eight percent just from the field. So that and you top top that with twenty-one of forty from the line, fifty-two percent. So they've got to improve that to um, compete at a higher level against these teams, especially this week coming up. And you know, I think it'll be three really good tests for them to to really see kind of uh you know where they stand and where they're at. And uh, you know, again, these these games are just kind of to build you to to get better for, for district games and go from there, you know.
0: And, you know, honestly, I feel the same way about Pendleton as I do Nicholas going to Augusta. Pendleton doesn't have to go 3-0 and this week to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing such a stiff competition. You know, Fleming County is going to be a, a step up in competition, and then you bring in the regional cha- state champs, not just regional champs, state champs. And then, like you said, Mercer County has a solid program. And, you know, but, you know, the Mike Murph Classic, you know, it's a big deal at Mason County. You know, all those who knew Mike Murphy and what he did for their programs over there. So um, those of you listening, get out and support the Mike Murphy Classic on Saturday. Um, While I'm here, I'll go ahead and tell you the list of games we got for the Mike Murphy Classic. It starts at 1 p.m. It'll open up with Nicholas County versus Ripley. Then at 2.30, we have Russell versus Augusta. At 4 o'clock, you got Pendleton versus Mercer. 5.30, 5.30, you have Madison Central versus Ballard. That's going to be a big game to watch. And then the nightcap, 8 o'clock, you got Fleming County at Mason County. Um, and I can expect that there will be a pretty solid crowd. And um, I think I'm going to go to Bracken to watch, uh, you know, Cove-Cath at Bracken. But I'd love to see that Fleming-Mason County game as well. But, you know, those are, that's the schedule for the Mike Murph Classic Um and then the other team in that district, Robertson County, went 0-3. Um, we knew Coach Mitchell was going to struggle, but, you know, I was looking at his results, and it looked like he did have a, a pretty competitive game at Rose Hill, I think, on Friday. So um, anytime that team right there can get an opportunity to play in some competitive games, um, it's just going to make the season, um, I guess, worth it for them because, you know, they lost in the last two years, lost about, eight or 9,000 points and who knows how many rebounds. So, um, you know, I've talked to Coach Mitchell. He knows it's going to be a long season, but, you know, he's in for the challenge and he knows and he's going to give his time and his best effort and he just wants to see improvement. And like I said, going to Rose Hill and losing by seven, at least they got an opportunity to play in a game where they can learn something about themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, competing's a big thing, you know, especially when you're – kind of in that rebuilding phase if, if you're competing sometimes it's not necessarily always about the wins or losses if, if you're out there and staying close it's that's a valuable experience for for your group of, of kids that you're trying to you know build into young men
0: and on to the 39th and um of course this district I think is probably going to be the most competitive district um well it's hard to say that when you got Campbell Scott and Brossard three solid teams as well but um I just don't think anybody can compete with Clark in that district on a night-in, night-out basis. And then, you know, I guess Harrison, Pendleton, Nicholas is pretty competitive as well. But I think Harrison County is kind of a couple rungs up. But, you know, you got Mason Bracken and Augusta and and St. Pat. And I think the story of this district this week is Mason County going down to Jackson County yesterday and beating Lyon County, who – um, was ranked top 10 in the state by some. I've seen them ranking as high as 10, Then I've seen some say top 20. But regardless, Mason County goes down there, beats them. Um, Lyon County has, you know, 3,000-plus points scored, Travis Perry. And I'll say this, Terrell Henry did a remarkable job on um, Travis Perry yesterday. I watched most of that game on a stream. Um, Travis Perry ends up getting 20-plus, but he had a few threes late to kind of make it closer on what the game actually was. But Mason County's defense on him made him work all night long. And that's a good win for Coach Kirk and his Royals.
1: Absolutely. And, I mean, especially considering, you know, three or four of those guys in that rotation are not weren't even a week into the season yet. You know, they had just started practicing. I think it was either Sunday or Monday. They got one game under their belt against Brown County in which they won pretty handily and easily. And, then you go down there and you play a top 10 team in the state and and come away with the win. And again, I think what, what the formula is there is, is similar to what, you know, Rossford has been doing in terms of getting, getting some balance. I think they had four or five guys in double figures against Lyon County. They did the similar thing against Rowan County earlier in the week. And um, just a, a matter of efficiency. And, you know, like you said, Terrell's defense on uh, Travis Perry was great. And, that's just a guy that's going to come out there, and anytime he laces them up, it's it's going to be a a problem every every single night. And I believe I believe Raleigh Masson had a double double last night, a big game for him. And you know they're they're they seem like they're you know ahead of schedule in terms of maybe getting in the flow of things. And you pick up a win like that, and you know you're going to turn some heads. And I think that 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 win not alone solidified their spot, you know, in the region, but you know I think maybe can now consider them a, a top 25 team in the state.
0: And um, and what kind of impressed me was, you know, late in the game, you know, Riley fouled out, KG fouled out. Oh, wow. Um, Phillip barely made some nice plays, got some big plays. But Carter McClanahan came off the bench, and uh, I think Lyon County had cut it to three, and they fouled him, and he knocks down two free throws and uh, ends up getting a late layup to score four points in the final couple minutes that were kind of big points. I mean, yeah, Mason County got up as much as 10 or 11, maybe 15, I think, in the second half, but, you know, Lyon County had battled, battled. Perry hit a – I think Perry hit like three contested threes in the last couple minutes to bring in within striking distance, and, you know, good to see Carter, you know, not really getting much varsity time the last two years, but making the most of his minutes now. And, you know, early on playing against a top ten team in the state and come in and get that kind of production has to make him more confident for the, the games to come in the future.
1: Yeah, you know, and you, you look at a win like that, and I think that can kind of springboard them into a, a really solid start considering, you know, they've got Bourbon and Fleming this week, and then after that they got Holmes, Scott, and then they'll start their Mason County Invitational Tournament with Greenwood, so – you know I, I only having two games this week i think will help get them even in even more in the flow get 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 some more practices under everybody's belt um and and they could just kind of keep rolling
0: along here yeah and i you know i was real impressed with their team effort yesterday i felt like everybody was involved everybody uh it was just a good team effort you know they shared the ball well you know terrell was probably the best player on the floor and it wasn't because of his scoring it was cuz of how hard he made you know, Perry work and this kid's isn't he a junior and he's already got 3000 plus. Yeah. There's a chance, you know, him and Blake are two guys that could push 5,000 exactly. and that's hard to think of. But when you play 30 games and, you know, Lion County went to the state last year and if they go again this year, you're looking at close to 35, 36 games. I mean, if you put up 30 a game, you're looking at a thousand points in a season. I mean, 5,000 is very much in the reach, but um, talking about Blake leads us to Bracken County. Um, they started out 3-0 and this week, um, a good win on the road at Bourbon County. Um, then they beat Scott at home, and then they went over to uh, Harrison County on Saturday and defeated a, a physical, well-coached Central Harden team. And um, I want to talk about the game at Central Harden because we talked about Blake, you know, his 48 against um, Scott at home. Blake only scored 15 against Central Harden. And you're thinking if you can hold Blake Reed to 15 points, you'd like to think your chances of winning are good against Bracken County. But the role player stepped up. Chase Archibald hit four threes. I think Austin Norton went like seven of eight from the field for 14 points. And then, of course, Caden Reed had 21. I'm not going to consider him a role player because he's a star. But um, just, you know, but what I liked about that was Blake scored 15, but he didn't shoot many shots. It looked like he was in the flow of the game. He's not forcing opportunities. He's finding his teammates, and um, I think that shows Blake's growth over the years.
1: Yeah, 100%. You know, if it, like you said, if you're if you're holding him to 15, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourselves um, and thinking you're going to be coming away with a win. But, you know, that wasn't the case, and, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of they're getting contributions, you know, big-time contributions elsewhere. You know, Chase Archibald seems like he's fitting really well right away. He's averaging about 15 a night, and – looks like his first game of the season, he hit seven threes. So he's firing away from three point land. He's looks like he's averaging about 10 three pointer attempts a game. So, you know, he's got the green light to let it fly and he fits well into that offense. And then you factor in Caden, I think he had a near triple double and uh, on the, in the season opening night and, you know, hit the the way he's rebounding the ball. I mean, Caden's averaging 7.3 rebounds a game for, you know, basically a 5'10, 5, 5'11 5, guard. So,
0: and a lot of that with Caden is IQ, knowing where the ball's shot, yeah. from, knowing where it's going to come off. And, mm-hmm. um, it's a great rebound. Caden stuff. He stuffs the stat sheets nightly. He probably gets yeah. three or four steals a game, probably five, six assists. He's averaging double digit points, seven rebounds. Um, I, like I said, don't want to consider him a role player because he's a star. Um, but I, but when you're getting the contribution from Austin Norton and, you know, Chase getting 10 three-pointers a game, he's probably going to hit four or five most of those nights. But like you said, he's the perfect player in that system because Caden and Blake were able to penetrate to set him up on so many open looks. And, you know, Chase out there on the wing is deadly because you got to decide, do you stop the penetration or do you stop his three points? So, um, but Brad County off to a good start. But while we're talking about them, let's go ahead and mention that this weekend at Bracken County, they have their ninth and 10th Region Challenge. Um, There's going to be a total of four girls' games and two boys. Um, That schedule is – it starts at 11 a.m. That's Boone County versus Pendleton County Girls, so I'll be over there for that. 12.45, you got NCC versus Mason County Girls. Should be a good game. 2.30, you got Dixie Heights versus Montgomery County Girls. Montgomery County girls are probably the second best team in the region, and I know Dixie Heights is near the top in the ninth, so that's a good game to watch. The first game on the boys' side will be Boone County versus Harrison County at four fifteen. Then you got another girls' games at six. You got the Highlands girls versus Bracken County, and then the nightcap is Cuffcath versus Bracken County boys at seven thirty. So you got a day full of action of Bracken County, a mixture of boys and girls games. So if you're a basketball fan, you got a lot of options Saturday. You got the Mike Murphy classic as well as the ninth, 10th region challenge. So don't sit at home and say that there isn't anything to do. So a lot of action Saturday.
1: Yeah. Some really good games. And, you know, obviously the nightcap I think is the one where a lot of people are looking forward to and, you know, some, some great games throughout the day as well. And um, two, two regions that, you know, have, have had a solid history and, you know, the ninth this year, just kind of me migrating up this way. I, I know that it's, it's loaded on the boys side and, you know, some of those girls teams are elite, like top, top tier teams in the state. So uh, some real, real good action going on there all day. I think they've done a good job with this. I know last year they kind of got it started and um, this year looks like they've expanded on it a little bit more. And I love the idea, you know, the ninth and 10th, you know, they're, they're, they're somewhat close by. I mean, some of those schools in the 10th are basically in the ninth region. And then, um, you know, it's 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 two solid regions, I think, with with two um, you know, two great be bit great bits of history behind them. And you know, how about that cath Bracken game? I mean, you got Evan Ipsaro versus Blake Reed. That's gonna be one heck of a matchup, I think.
0: I, I can't wait to watch it. Like I said, I'm kinda I kinda like to be in two places at once and watch the uh Bracken, Covcath, and the Mason Fleming um game, but I just feel like I've not seen Covcath play yet, and I've had multiple people and even you mentioned the night saying Ipsaro is a strong, legit candidate for Mr. Basketball. And anytime I get the opportunity to see players like that, I want to take the opportunity to do it. So, um, which, you know, before we move on to Augusta, give a shout out to Devin Carpenter from Bracken County. He's, he gave me some updates of the Bracken-Central Harden game and was keeping me abreast on that. And I always appreciate when people do that. But um, heading off to Augusta, Augusta started strong um, with wins over – Robertson County and St. Patrick, um, two teams they should have beat, and they beat both handedly, so they did take care of business. Um, Then they played Newport at Harrison County on Saturday, which um, I think it was an 11 a.m. start or something, real early morning start, maybe noon. um, And Newport clawed out a 72-57 win over Augusta. I don't really have many details on that game. Um, I just did hear say a couple people say that it was closer than the 15-point final score. So, um, you know, we know a little bit about Newport because Brosser beat them 80 to 75. So, seems to be a pretty solid team. So, a good test for Augusta early on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a good gauge for them. You know, they're, they're taking on a lot of quickness that Newport has. I mean, Newport has two freshman studs, um, and then they've got a big guy down low. That's, that's a problem, too. And, um, you know, like like you said, it was it seemed like it was a close game throughout. Newport kind of pulled away uh, as the game went on. And I, I think that game was going to kind of give me a gauge of, of where Augusta was earlier in the year. Because, you know, those first two games, like you said, handled their business the way they should have. Um, get to Newport, you know, drop that one. And then, you know, this week they've got a big week coming up with, you know, their host Nicholas on Tuesday. And then they play Russell at the Mike Murphy Classic on on Saturday. So I think it's a chance for them to pick up a pair of wins, um, get to four and one. And then, uh, you know, from there, it's just a matter of them finding themselves, finding their right fit of, of, of guys, you know, in, in their rotation, like LJ Connors, you know, got off to a nice start and Colin Henson as well. And then, you know, they've got, you know, some other guys that are, you know, filling their roles as well. You know, you got Connor snap, Will Couch, and then, uh, you know, a bunch of other guys, I think, that kind of, you know, are, are still trying to find their roles. And once they do, you know, Augusta will kind of keep building upon that and, and being a, a much better basketball
0: team. Well, and I think what a lot of people don't realize, or if they do, they're kind of forgetting is, you know, Augusta lost two pretty good players last year, Case and Henson and Riley Maston. And so it may take a few games. And, you know, maybe those Robertson County and St. Pat games what kind of good games to start with to try to, you know, people learn different roles or, you know, LJ Connor now being the primary scoring option when, you know, he may not have been in that role last year with Kaysen and Riley. And, you know, but Augusta, I think, has potential to be a tough out in that district. I mean, I know we talk a lot about Bracken and Mason, and rightfully and deservingly so, but I don't think you can write off Augusta just yet just because uh, – Coach Henson's been in that district multiple, you know, for years now. He's won the district. He knows what it takes to win the district. And when I've talked to him, he seems to like his team and the pieces he has. And we all know that, you know, Coach Henson, you give him one game to prepare for, and he's going to have a game plan in place, and his team's going to have an opportunity. So um, I I agree with everything you said, and I think this was a very good gauge for them this early in the year. And I think they're going to find some things out after this week and, you know, kind of build on that moving forward. But and then St. Patrick, um, I admire Tony more for what he's doing, coaching those guys, coaching them up, you know, being positive. And, um, but I've seen a couple people this week seem to be pretty upset that, you know, St. Patrick with their numbers is playing a varsity schedule. And, you know, I don't know what all goes into that. I'm not an athletic director and administrator. I don't know what it takes if you have seniors on your team to play a JV schedule. I know there's no rule that states you can't, but um, we talked about that, I think, in the preview. Um, Well, St. Patrick will be a long season on the varsity level, but um, could potentially play some JV (laughs) games and compete. And I've seen some of their fan base, you know, saying wish they would. But um, it's going to be a long season for Coach Moore. But, you know, anytime you're a guy that's leading young men, you can have an impact on those guys you know more than just wins and losses so i admire coach more on what he's doing at st pat
1: yeah tough tough first week for them 0 and 3 and you know struggled to compete in those games you know and offensively challenged uh 85 points in three games so they get robertson county on tuesday i think that'll be a a, a good matchup for them and um you know after that it looks like they got a two week break so you know, getting those first four games in will probably be really good for them. They can kind of see where they're at. And then, you know, two weeks of practice for a team like that I think will be great. And then it'll get them into to Covington Latin on December 20th. So, Robertson County on, on Tuesday will be, a you know, a good matchup in mount Olivet. And then, um, you know, they'll get back to uh, the drawing board.
0: So, it looks to me like Coach Moore's got a couple games in the f- near future that could be competitive for them. So, good for him and to get those guys on the schedule. Um, let's head to the 40th, um, the 40th houses, the returning state champions and they're off to a fast start as well. Um, beat Brian station in the opening, uh, opening game on the 29th of November 75 46 and then beat Campbell 80 61 on a Friday. So they only played two games last week. They got three games this week with Madison central Thursday, they come to Pendleton County. And then on Saturday, They got Ashland at Boyd County. So um, that'll be kind of uh, a good game to pay attention to. Um, But, you know, I did see where uh, Sam Parrish is pushing his 1,000 points. I think he needs around 30-some. So that's a milestone that he's going to be reaching here soon. But, uh, you know, what else can we say about Clark County that we haven't already said? You can't leave out Jerome Morton. He's now the all-time leading scorer at Clark County. I did not see that. Congrats yeah. to Jerome. I am not a bit shocked by that news, but I didn't I did not see that. I was but, uh,
1: surprised at the number though, because like he had just cleared two thousand points, and you know their rich tradition and their history. Like you think there would be someone with a little bit more than that, but again, I think it goes back to like, you know, Mason County's only got four two thousand point scorers all time because it's it's hard to get in on the floor at the varsity level as, like, a freshman or even a sophomore, you know, at those programs. So, I think that's that's probably, you know, how that kind of shakes out. But, yeah, he's, he's now the all-time leading scorer at Clark. Who did he
0: pass, do you know? Oh, you know, I, I'd have to go back and look, to be honest. Um, and also, the another thing that, you know, people don't realize, you look back in the, you know, 90s, early 2000s, 80s, you know, team – I know when I play, we're only allowed to play like 23 games before district play. Yeah. You know, and now you're allowed to play 30. Mm-hmm. Andy, so, I mean, you got to think – I think it's much, easier, it's much easier – it's much – you know, and I know we celebrate 1,000 points, but if you think about it, you play four years at the high school level, you only got to average about nine points a game for a career to score 1,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that's, it's not a big deal because it you're is. You're
1: playing a lot as a freshman, too. I mean, I mean sure. – some of these programs, you're not getting on the floor as a freshman. You're just not.
0: That's true. And That's uh, very true.
1: You know, but with them, I mean, they handle their business. They beat Bryan Station by nearly 30, beat Campbell by 19. I'm excited for them this week. I mean, it's it's two two really good challenges they'll have with Madison Central on Tuesday and then, uh you know, playing Ashland basically in, on Ashland's somewhat home turf at, at Boyd County. So, you know, two good
0: tests for them this week and – you know, the, the, the beat goes on for them. Well, I'm curious to see how Ashland and I, I know the coach that is their interim coach and coach Bonner. I I communicated a lot with him when we played against Ashland and I think he's more than capable of handling the reins there. Um, but you know, I saw where, um, Ashland was ranked second in their region this year. So, um, Boyd County being number one, and I'm curious to see how Ashland responds and comes out and plays and, um, we know they got a nice team and I'm sure coach Bonner's run a lot of the same sets and stuff considering how late that transfer or that transfer of coaching happened. But, uh, that'll be a game that'll be interesting to watch. And, um, on Friday, my lady cats don't play. So that might be a game I stream or something. So, um, or is that Saturday night? Yeah, that's Not, a Saturday afternoon it's Saturday night. Yeah,
1: at, uh, at the at uh, round ball classic. Yeah,
0: well, I got too many other games to watch between the Murph Classic and the ninth uh, tenth challenge. So sorry, uh, GRC, I won't won't get to see that. But um, <laughs> it is, uh, and for a basketball fan, you couldn't ask for anything better. So I'm I'm stoked about it. But um, I feel like um, Montgomery County had a good yes. week. Put- one more, one more,
1: last thing on Clark. Can I, can okay. I just add to that? You know, and and this is me just talking from you know an unnamed coach that I had, I had talked to earlier this week, and you know he said he was watching them play the other night, and like he mentioned that like they, they kind of look bored, you know, with with how they were going about it. Like you know, Jerome Morton out there like just kind of looks bored, like because they're you know he's on his COVID fifth year and. Just the way that they're beating teams, I can imagine that's that's the case. So I, I, I'm just curious to see kind of how that plays out. And, you know, they're, they're going to be a team, again, that's, that's going to win a lot of lopsided games. And, you know, I, and I think these games against Madison Centrals and Ashlands and what they have coming up at King of the Bluegrass and Louisville, I mean, those games I think is, is where, where we're going to really see the best version of them. And, you know, these games here where they're
0: winning comfortably – it's hard to get a gauge on considering how easily they're doing it. And, and you know, as well as I do, I've experienced it as a coach. You've seen it as a, uh, a media personality, how, when scores get lopsided, how easy it is to lose your intensity, to lose your focus. And, um, but, you know, like you said, I think they have some really strong games scheduled throughout their schedule that will kind of get them back in Um Maybe help them regain focus. But, you know, when you're going out there every night beating teams by thirty plus and um I'm sure it hard I'm sure it is easy to be bored, so to speak, or lose focus. But um we talked about that some last year, I think, with them too. And I think Josh Cook did a really good job of keeping them focused to where they were able to uh win the state tournament. But there were games throughout their schedule that, you know, were lopsided that I'm sure, you know, they did seem bored, but um they won't be able to do that against Madison central and Ashland for sure. So we'll have to judge, you know, maybe judge it after those two games, but, um, you know, Montgomery County two and this week, uh, C- coach Bentley, um, got a win over the well Springs guardian, which is a home school. I believe I don't know much about them. Um, but it was a, a lopsided victory and then they won a close game on the road against Powell County. So, um, a 2-0 start, regardless of who you beat, you're 2-0, but they have a really big district matchup on Tuesday at home against Paris, and this is their first matchup since the uh, district tournament last year, so, and we all know how that shook out, so I'm curious to see, you know, what kind of fire and energy Montgomery comes out with at home this game here, trying to send a message or statement they haven't forgotten.
1: Yeah, 100%, you know, it's, it's a battle for second in that district, and at all costs, you want to avoid that number four seed because your, your season's ending, you know, just to be blunt about it, you know, if you get that four seed, so big early season district game. And, you know, I, I, I like how their week shapes out. I mean, I can't say I know anything about wellsprings guardians or even Powell County um, to know, but it looks like this, this, this week they get more into the region in the district play with, with Paris on Tuesday and then Bracken County on the road on Brooks at Brooksville on Thursday. So, two good tests for them. And I think that's kind of where we'll see where they're at. And, um, you know, looking at their stats report, it's good to see that Trey Carroll's playing. He played in both games and looks like it's, it's not affecting him too much with his shoulder injury. He averaged 10.5 a night, the first, first two games. And, um, you know, it looks like they're getting some balance up and, up and down the board with, with Luke Fawns leading the way.
0: Right. It is. It, it's a great to see Tra- uh, Trey Carroll play because I know a media day, you know, I was watching and I, you know, I heard you ask him about his injury and he was a little unsure about, you know, what the future held, but seems like he's ready to go and played in both games. And, you know, that's another one of those coaches on the floor, kind of a leader that can lead some of this young talent that Montgomery has. And you mentioned Luke Fons and I think we're seeing a budding 10th region star and Luke kind of following in his dad's footsteps for all those old heads out there listening. You know, they all know who Billy Ray Fons is and what his legacy is in the 10th region and that ninety five regional tournament game against Mason County is probably one of the best high school games that you know, and I think it's out there on YouTube if you want to go back and watch it. I think somebody shared it with me once, and yeah. just you know, Sean Myrick and you know Billy Ray Fawn just going punch for punch, two of the tenth regions' greats. And but um, you know, Luke's off to a good start as a, in his high school career, and you know, doesn't really show any signs of slowing down. But speaking of young talent, let's move on to Paris and Malachi Ashford, and um, you know, Paris is 0-2. Um, they've lost two lopsided games to Hazard and North Harden. So, they're going into the Montgomery matchup 0-2 and, and have yet to really play a um, competitive game. So, um, Coach Ransom, you know, early on, kind of hard to judge Paris based on no two scores. But, you know, we got a long season ahead of us. But I think we're going to find out a lot this week when they go against Montgomery County and Bourbon County, two district opponents this week. Yeah, a huge week. You know,
1: it's just – crazy we're talking district games this early in the season but you know two big ones for them on on Tuesday and Friday both on the road so you know I think as a goal maybe if you can you know at least come away with the split out of those two that get you off to a one-on-one start in district play and um, you know two two monumental games just uh, you know this early in the season you know this will be their third and fifth games of the year so curious to see how that works and you know they, they struggled against hazard you know in the in the opener and then you know north harden on uh, on saturday uh, another lopsided loss for them so um it, it's probably gonna take them a little bit to get going which probably makes you maybe a little bit concerned for them that district games are this early but um you know i think it's gonna be a team that's maybe you know going to get better as the year goes on as they get used to their coach and, and used to their you know new surroundings
0: um there's only one one group of stats in you know, input on A for Paris, but it's, you know, need to mention that, you know, we mentioned Malachi Ashford and how young he is and what kind of budding star he is, but he's averaging 25 or he scored 25 in the first game against Hazard. The stats versus uh, uh, North Harden have not been entered yet. So, but um, I agree with everything you said about Paris, but, you know, when you got a new coach and kind of relying on some young players, you kind of, hope your district games will be a little bit later in the season, but you know, ready or not here, they come. And like you said, I think a split would be a, a a great start for them in district play Mm -hmm. and go ahead.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You know, and and then, you know, that game against bourbon County is obviously a big, big rivalry. So it'd be a nice crowd, I'm sure. And, you know, a lot of buildup and anticipation for that one.
0: Um, Speaking of bourbon County, um, They're off to a one-on-one start. Only had two games last week, and they'll also play three games this week, but it doesn't get any easier for them. Um, They lost to Bryan County at home, but beat uh, Knox Central 61-43. Knox Central lost not only uh, Javante Turner, graduated last year, but also um, I think Gavin Chadwell, who was a pretty good basketball player, several D1 football offers. I think he transferred to North Laurel to play with Reed Shepard. So um, Knox Central lost quite a bit, but still a good home win. And the first win for uh, Gary Robinson, his head coach of his alma mater, the Bourbon County Colonels. So, um, But this week um, he has Mason County at home, Paris at home, West Jessman at home. Um, A tough week, but at least all three of them are at home.
1: Yeah, what a start to the season for them. Their first five games are at home. First
0: six of seven are, actually. That that reminds me of my lady cats. We started out with our first five or six at home as well. So, good scheduling.
1: Yeah, and that includes two district games, you know, with with Paris. And then, you know, they get a big test on Tuesday with Mason County, who's coming in off a high of of beating Lyon County. So, uh, they'll they'll get tested again. Probably would have liked to have seen them compete maybe a little bit more in that Bracken County game. Looks like it kind of got away from them down 24. But, Knock Central was a team, you know, just a year or two ago, or two years ago that knocked off, you know, North Laurel and Reed Shepard. So an impressive bounce back win for them to win by 18. I don't know. None of their stats are up. So. Right. I really elaborate much further on that, but uh this will be a, a good week for them to kind of see where they stand. And, you know, they're right on my border, right on the edge of, of cracking the the top 10 in the region. So, you know, do they belong there? Uh, I don't know this week. I think will will tell us.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the one thing I do know is that Derek Robinson himself is a winner. Um, he's won everywhere he's been, had a remarkable career at Western Kentucky. Um, I think he's still right now trying trying to get those kids to uh, take on his personality. And, you know, maybe a slow start for the season. they got a tough schedule coming up. But I definitely think they're capable of uh, sneaking into that two seed in the di- in that district you know, if they continue to grow and get better. I know Montgomery, Paris, and Bourbon, that's going to be a fun race to watch. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to be the two. You just can't be the four. And yeah. <laughs> um, two or three, we know there's not really any difference. You just can't be that four in that district. So um, it's going to be really fun to watch that because those district games are going to mean a lot. Um, so, um, not you know, that district there, is just – that's probably the one district I don't get to watch many games of just because of the location or whatever. So, I'm going to rely on the NFHS network for that. But uh, um, we talked about all four districts, and I really think that all four districts have some competitive um, competitive games coming forward that's going to kind of shake up where they are not only in the region but where they also are within their own district. And um, for you seating guys – three of those districts will be really fun to watch. That fourth district that draws, it don't really matter what they do in the regular season. They could still draw, you know, Mason, Bracken, Augusta could all draw, you know, two of those. One of those three are going to be happy. The other two aren't going to be happy. So, um, I guess time will tell what that holds. But, you know, the 10th region, you know, I've seen a couple of people post it this week on Twitter that the 10th region has a lot of good basketball. And I think that's fair to say. And, um, you know, it's gonna be, be it's gonna be, to it's gonna be tough. A lot of these teams gonna be really good and go beat up on each other. But I think it's all gonna be good for, you know, what holds in the postseason. But right now, early in December, it's kind of hard to think about the postseason.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of uh, friendly chatter, and you know, with Mason beating line, the thing I saw was, you know, don't sleep on the tenth. I don't, I don't get that because I don't know who was. Sleeping on them, anyways. Like I, I think know, that's maybe. just a common. Are we ranking phrase like that... regions across the state, or or like what? Like I don't, I don't get that. Like people just like to use that term. Like I was going to this. Like I mean, who, who's who's the ones that's like throwing that material out
0: there that they're sleeping on? I just don't get it. I think but, the ones that posting it are creating that narrative. Right, nobody right. is sleeping on the tenth because for one, we got them on one team in the state. Exactly. Oh, so nobody you know. is sleeping on the tenth. Now, if you wanted to say. Don't sleep on Mason County. They got a chance to win the 10th, which most people who are 10th region followers know that they probably have an opportunity, um, uh, an right. uphill one at that. But, um, yeah, for somebody to say don't sleep on the 10th, that's that's preposterous and ludicrous and every other adjective that I can think of to describe nonsense. Yeah.
1: A, oh, speaking of the 10th, you want to go through our top 10s?
0: Yeah, I, I really right. do, and I, I'm not so sure that ours have changed a whole lot after the first week, but they may, and if you want me to go first, I will, because you went first last week. Sure. All right, I got GRC one. Um, I did move Mason to two because they beat a top-ten team in the state. Not that Bracken County really done anything to lose that in my eyes. They went 3-0. and oh, They were impressive in all three, but just I think Mason County played a tougher team this week and was able to, on a neutral court, win that. Um. I still got Harrison four, but that game with Brossard this week could change things. Um, I moved Brossard up to five. Um, I know they haven't played Campbell yet, but I've been really impressed with um, just their start and how they're doing it. I got Campbell at six, Augusta seven. I still got Scott at eight. I got Montgomery at nine, and I moved Bourbon in at 10 over Nicholas County. That's just um, kind of what I've got there. But – um I just think it's still too early to tell, and these, um these the positioning will shake itself out in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, I guess I was the only
1: one I was curious was to see Montgomery drop to nine. I didn't, I didn't know you had them that low last week. If you, did. I think
0: I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe okay. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I, just, I wrote them new this week, and yeah. I guess maybe I'm thinking that I still got Montgomery in the ten is why I said that in the ten. Yeah. top okay. ten.
1: Yeah, I mean our. Our top three are the same. You know, I've got GRC, Mason, Bracken. I think that's kind of indisputable at this point in the season so far. Uh, I moved Harrison up to four above Campbell just because of their start to the year. I kept Campbell at five. Again, I don't think there's much reason to worry with the two losses they had, you know, a a top tier team in the 10th and then another top tier team in the ninth on back-to-back nights and, you know, competed in, in, in both of those. It looked and, uh, I moved Bossard up to six. I, th- I think they're they're deserving with their start. That's their first 4-0 start since the 2013-2014 season. So, you know, it's almost been a decade since they've seen this start- sort of early season success. And Just love the way they're doing it offensively, kind of like what we hit on early in the show. So well, Before we make-
0: move on, we should have mentioned that with Brosser playing that well, that makes for a fun All-A this year. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's going to be a very competitive field with Augusta, Bracken, you know, Nicholas and um, – it's,
1: it's a neutral Brossard. court this year. It's not like it's going to be at Bracken or at Brossert. You know, it's going to be at or Paris. Is it? Oh, it's at Paris? Yeah. So, you know, that'll be kind of, yeah, I think, good. And we know the Bracken fans will travel well. Brossard will, uh, will bring their, their crew, you know. And, you know, I think that's, that's a final for now that we'd be looking forward to. Um, right. So, I agree. Yeah. So, I had them six. I moved them up uh, a spot or two. Um, I put Montgomery at seven. I uh, had Augusta at eight. Uh, they were calling me out last week because I ranked them ninth. So moved you guys up a spot down there in A-Town. Uh, I got Scott Knight just to, you know, struggle a little bit defensively. But, uh, you know, with their schedule, I think they'll kind of bounce back. Got a big one tomorrow night against uh, Newport Catholic. And then uh, number 10 was Bourbon County. Uh, I did like that win they had against Knox Central. Um and uh, I think, you know, right there in that mix is is a matter of, of Nicholas being right there. You got Parrish right there and you got Pendleton right there all, all kind of fighting for that 10th spot. But uh, this week I'll give it to Bourbon. But I think that's going to be an interchangeable spot throughout the year. I think your top, you know, seven through nine are, are solid. And then uh, it's just a matter of, you know, where you go from there. And again, it's well, it's a more competitive region, I think. You know, I think it's not as easy for, you know, uh, I mean, we all know Clark's head 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 and shoulders above everyone else. But, you know, two through maybe seven, you know, any given night, I think you can see uh, one winning over the other. And, you know, last year, I don't really know if, if that was the case.
0: I definitely don't. I definitely think there's more parity and a lot, um, lot more balance in the 10th. And um, the thing is, though, you know, it's kind of hard to put stock in some games, you know, just because you beat a team don't necessarily, you know, I think some people think you got to move up or down on a loss. You got to look at the quality of competition. But I know just in our district in the 38th, I know a lot of our district games aren't until after Christmas. Which so, I think is the way it should be. I, mean, I definitely I definitely think both teams will want to be at their best or kind of peaking at the right time when you play your district opponents. It kind of surprised me when I saw that the 40th was playing district games in the second week of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just think, you know, your, your December slate is filling out your team, um, your first, you know, six, eight games, and then you have a fun Christmas tournament, you know, or two where you maybe go travel as a team, get some team bonding in or you host a tournament, which is obviously exciting for a program. And then after that, whether if you're a small school, then you got the A or, you know, January gets boring. So I, I think those district games is, is kind of when you want to have those and, you know, it, it puts some stakes, you know, into your your mid season schedule. But again, I don't. You know, some of these coaches did probably didn't even have the option of of altering that around. And I just think your district matchup should come in January February. But again, I'm I'm not the one that's making those schedules out.
0: And right, and you know, I don't know who decides that. When I guess you can play them whenever you want in the season, and maybe in that region. They like that, so they can play other games. I'm not for sure, but you know, I like how we do ours. You know, I don't have to worry about a district opponent try for Christmas, so that gives me kind of a 12, 13, 14 game where I can work on and work out and try different things, different rotations, things like that. But here's um, a proposition for you. I think that would be interesting, and I'd I'd be
1: curious to see what your thoughts are. You know, obviously being a high school basketball coach, some districts do a home and home. Mike would would you be would you be fond of that? Maybe. Um, Maybe not back-to-back nights, but in the same week. Let's say you play you play Nicholas on Tuesday at home and then you go to Nicholas on Friday.
0: Would you be a fan of that? Uh I that's tough. I don't I don't really know.
1: <sighs> Cause I mean, I think as a coach, you you obviously want to make adjustments, watch the film. But those two days in between would would probably give you that. Um, but I, I just think it's it's a neat little wrinkle that I, I would like to see um, moving forward for districts. I just think that home and home is pretty cool. We uh, did get, You know, you, if you come in – if you're talking January, February, weather issues, you know, things could happen where a game could get pushed back and canceled. And then, you know, you set aside your whole week for that. Then, boom, you're out of game. And maybe you missed an opportunity to play – Another game throughout the week against an out of district opponent, so you know devil's advocate, hindsight twenty twenty.
0: Well, and to be honest with you, you know during the COVID year we did that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know I know we played kind of that home and home. I know we I, the one I remember. I know we did it a few times, but the one I remember vividly is Buckhorn at Robertson on a Friday, then traveling to Buckhorn on a Saturday. Um, yeah. that was you know, but you know <laughs> during the COVID year we try to get in games when we could, but um. Anything else this week before we uh, head out, Coach's Corner, man?
1: I, okay, I was waiting. <laughs> I kind of segued into it. I guess I can count that as my first question. Um, but my uh, one I had thought up was, um, and you might have had this situation your your first game of the season, and and I'm not you know saying you did it one way or another, but you know we 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 wonder at what point is considering running up a score you know at a running clock what are you doing in the second half i mean early on in the season maybe it's tough but what what's your what's your thoughts as soon as maybe a game gets to a running clock i mean yeah are, are you pressuring any sort of any bit past half court line Do you have any starters in what's your thoughts there and and how maybe of
0: a fine line is it? Well, it's, you know, you always want to respect the other team, their players, their coaching staff. And I don't know many coaches, I've had it happen once or twice, but I don't know many that um, are set out to try to embarrass anyone or, you know, kind of, um, I guess, kind of, um, insult them or whatever. Um, you know, in the first game against Williamstown with us, the score to get out of hand, um, once I got running – even before running clock, I subbed freely. Every girl got to play. My starters only played like maybe three minutes the entire second half, which doesn't make them happy. Um, but, you know, you always don't want to play starters in that situation because fear of an injury in a, in a kind of um, a lopsided game. But, you know – I, if you're up that much, I don't think you should press, any kind of press. We dropped back into a 2-3 zone. We kind of let them shoot. I mean, we, we did our position, whatever. We weren't trying to block shots or anything, but we did our positioning. We didn't want to insult them by just standing still and acting like they couldn't play. But, you know, when you put JV kids in a varsity game who don't get the opportunity to play a lot, it's kind of hard to tell them not to shoot. Um, so when they played, I didn't let them get in passing lanes. I didn't let them steal. Um, we'd get rebounds, we'd go set up an offense, they played a zone, and we made 13 threes that night. And we got JV kids coming off, and they're making several threes. I know we had a JV girl come off the bench and hit four threes. Um, you know, I talked to the coach afterwards. He didn't seem a bit upset. He actually thanked me because he thought it could have been worse. I mean, we scored 71 points in the first half. You know, running clock running don't start till the third quarter. Yeah, and was that a we, record of any sort it's actually Brilliant. the third most points and a half in KHSA girls' history. I think Brilliant. the record was seventy six. Which I've been asked if I knew that was a record, what I've went for it? Um, I wouldn't have done anything any differently than what we did. We missed several free throws the first half, so we had our opportunity. I don't Brilliant. think I would have tried to press or trap, you know, to embarrass a team to get that record. But that's just me. But we only scored twenty two points the second half, so I don't necessarily think you can look at it as running in, but. Um, I think those that do run in, not only press full court, but they'll run a half court trap, um, look to push every rebound, try to score in transition. I felt like we we did the opposite of all of that. But, yeah, it is a fine line because, like I said, I think you try to teach your teams uh, to respect the game, to respect the coaches, respect the opponents. And, you know, I told my girls that night, you know, there's situations where um, you all have been in this situation before and you didn't like it. So we're going to respect them and – and I thought we did a really good job of it.
1: Yeah. No, and I'm with you 100%. I just, it's so always, it's, I'm sure it's a tough spot to be in sometimes, especially when you maybe
0: get to uh, like a district tournament or, or whatnot. Or, or well, whatnot. coaches would rather play a tight game anyhow because there's really not much you can work on in a situation like that because you don't want to tell your kids they can't play hard, but you also hope they understand when you say, hey, you know, in the two-three zone, on the pass, position yourself where you should be. Don't be blocking shots. Don't be getting in the passing lanes. And, But, you know, when they're in there on the floor, you know, on offense, it's hard to tell them not to shoot when they play very few minutes. Yeah, 100%.
1: And uh, one more since I kind of already asked you, too, since we kind of keep this at three. We need some, like, Jeopardy music in the background, man, while well, this is going on. I'm
0: not that talented. I don't know how to do all that.
1: Come on, Sorry. Now. <laughs> Just, um, and this one's just w- with officiating. Um, how important is it to develop uh, a relationship with the officials, whether it be, you know, before the game or, uh, you know, some of them are, you know, on social media or you, you maybe even know them personally over the years. So how important do you feel that is in, um, in the terms of, of gameplay?
0: Well, I think, you know, as coaches, we're professionals, as referee, they're professionals. You know, a lot of the referees uh, that we have, I've known for years because I've coached for years and they've always been a part of the association. I know some of them on a personal level outside. I've went to Reds games with some of them. I've hung out with some of them. But what I respect the most about them is even though we have that relationship out of the court, they still call a consistent and fair game on the court. Um, And it's hard to separate that sometimes, I'm sure. But, you know, there's several referees, like I said, I've hung out with and I've even graduated with some from other schools that are the same age as me. And we competed against each other, played some summer baseball on the same teams. And um, when they've always ref my games, I felt like they've been able to separate that relationship. But, you know, referees are just like other coaches. You want to build rapport. You want to uh, thank them and respect them for the job they do. Because if one one person on the court has a tougher job than coaches, it's probably officials. Um, But, you know, I think there are probably coaches out there that have these relationships that probably expect a call here or there because of their friendship or whatever. But I respect those referees more that can separate that. And when the game's over, you can go back to being friends or whatever. Yeah. Because I don't care if they're my friend or not. If I think they made a bad call, I tell them. You're going to let them know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. One story real quick, and I'll never forget it. I was a young coach, and – I was coaching JV at Bracken County, and we had a referee that, you know, at the JV and freshman level, sometimes you're getting a lot of new guys that are still learning the game and going out there, giving it the best they got. And, you know, one JV referee was struggling, and he was struggling with both ways. I mean, every call he made was wrong, regardless of what team it was for or against. And so he made a bad call against me late. So I let him know that I understood with that call why he was coaching J or why he was officiating JV. I'm like, well, I understand why you're doing JV with a call like that. And he said, well, don't look, Coach, but there's a reason you're coaching JV. <laughs> and that kind of hit home. That kind of hit me right in the gut. And from that point on, I learned to respect officials a little bit more because they had a point. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So uh, you think next week we'll start kind of doing uh, – get some coaches? And yeah, and that's them. what I was
0: going to say. Next week um, my plan is to reach out to some coaches. So, if coaches, if you're listening to this, um, I'm going to reach out to a couple of you. I'm gonna re- you know, there's a few we went on first, and I'll reach out to you. And um, if you listen, please try to come on. You know, it's a lot better for our show. A lot better when you get the opportunity to promote your uh, student athletes and your team. And you know, it's fun. You know, we enjoy talking to you, and I know the listeners enjoy listening to you. So I'm going to reach out to some coaches this week, and hopefully, we can start, you know, putting a schedule together of getting some 10th region coaches on here. Awesome. Well maybe
1: I'll see you Saturday. I, I you know, with the ninth and tenth, that, that kind of fits in with me well in my coverage area. So well, I'm gonna I'm try, I'm gonna try to, get down, I'm trying to get down to Brooksville. If not, then um, you know, I'll be I'll be out of the gym near near you.
0: <laughs> well, if you need any updates Saturday, you're not gonna make it, let me know. I'll be there.
1: Okay. Awesome.
0: All right, appreciate you guys at home. Appreciate everybody that listens. Stay tuned and stay hot.